Hi there, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Consumed Podcast, the podcast where we are consuming and are consumed by video games and other forms of popular culture. A bit of a different episode this week, a new format that we're introducing called Skip the Main. And uh, the reason this has been introduced is because we realised in the current format we were having to play and more or less complete a new game every week to provide the main topic. Uh, And that was fine while maybe I was in lockdown completely. Uh, But now that I'm uh, back teaching, we probably aren't going to find the time to be able to do that every single week. But we thought we could still make a little podcast, still doing the uh, breakfast and dessert bit. Appetizer? Appetizers, yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. Not breakfast. Uh, <laughs> did I what did I say appetizer? You said breakfast. Yeah, I meant to say starter. Yeah, starter. <laughs> starter and, and uh, dessert. Um so we're sort of combining those into a general free for all discussion about uh, just what we've been up to, what we've been playing. And that's gonna be called Skip the Main and we'll feature every time we have not completed a new game for the main course. The reason uh, I was sort of hoping that we would be doing The Last of Us 2 this week. Um, we're going to get Harry in, who's a Last of Us obsessive, to join us for that one. But um, I just haven't had the time to finish it. I thought I was nearly there, and then it turned out I was only halfway, and I've got a long way. <laughs> it is a long game, and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you know my initial thoughts a bit later in this episode. But we'll do a full rundown and maybe a spoiler cast on that next week. Anyway, my name is uh, Ben Fox, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Katie. Hello, Hello. Do you have anything to add to that rundown? Uh, no, I. Uh, yeah, I think it'll just be a bit of a bit of like a chat, like a let's chat podcast. Yeah. I hope that I don't know. We're thinking we're talking about breakfast and dessert and appetite. My stomach is growling so loudly, so I <laughs> hope it's not. <laughs> This is going to turn into an actual food po- podcast. I've got, I'm eyeing up. I brought some snacks with me. Sure I know I shouldn't eat them while we're recording, but I'm so hungry. No, I mean, this this podcast has been accused of many things. One thing I imagine a lot of people think is its obtuse food metaphors are <laughs> maybe a little bit forced and actually adds to dilute the brand <laughs> because, <laughs> because I think a lot of people presume it's a food podcast, understandably. Um, so yeah, if you're actually eating in it, that sort of fits the brief more authentically. So don't worry about that. Um, might come all right. To that. And yeah. Other than that, I have nothing. <laughs> great, great. Cheers. Uh, off to a scintillating start. Um, so I thought first up, I could I give you a little update on my various dietary exploits because um, about probably about a month ago, maybe a little bit less, we were talking about food. I'd started again. An, absolutely, yeah. Um, and I was talking about the fast 800 diet that I was doing where I yeah. was consuming relatively low, well, very low calories, 800 a day and low carbs um, in order to lose the weight I'd put on during lockdown. Uh, it was going sort of quite well, but I honestly was struggling to feel full after 800 calories as a man six foot two. Yeah, it didn't feel a particularly healthy. Um, but I was finding that I didn't really need the carbohydrates. So I transitioned into more of a full on ketogenic diet, um, which I think we described before. Gen- generally speaking, just getting rid of carbohydrates for the most part until your body is eventually tricked into burning fat for energy. Um, so that's what I've been doing maybe over the last few weeks now. And I have to say, I, it's going quite well. Do I look thinner, Katie? I think, I, I think you look great. 
but that's not what I asked. Thank you. But do I look thinner? <laughs> look at I my think, face. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, uh, it's difficult. I'm very bad at sort of being able to tell when I put on and uh, it's hard and lost weight. Just at yourself in the mirror every day. Yes, my mother informs me I've lost some weight. So uh, there you go. Take that for whatever. Um, I thought it's, about it's, doing keto. I sort of kind of to do it with when you did it. Um, and I think I only made it like a week and a half. What was the uh, stumbling block? Well, I I think we maybe even mentioned this when you first started talking about the diet, that like when you're vegan, you are yeah, forced to get easy. like any protein sources um, from beans primarily. Like I eat a lot of beans and lentils and chickpeas and all things that, you know, aren't super carby but you know just cutting it out straight would have made it very difficult to have anything to eat and then last night with dinner i had some garlic bread nice oh god i miss garlic bread just unstoppable no Um, but i I did actually i did actually feel fairly good when i wasn't having carbs like just not as like big and bloated and absolutely and the thing about carbohydrates is that they sort of um they create a need to have more you've become a lot hungrier when you eat a lot of carbs um so the good thing about keto once you get into it is that your your cravings for food sort of diminish to to quite a large extent um and but i would say even if you had some garlic bread i would say just lower carbs generally speaking even if yeah it's not i full. think I'm, I'm at like probably half the yeah half the recommended level of like carbs for in a day sure. which feel like it's it's fine for me i think that's still good for you to sort of keep blood sugar under control that sort of thing um but yeah it, it's working it's working i feel like it's working really well and i don't feel hungry um it is easier for me than katie because i'm pescatarian so i can eat fish i eat a lot of sort of oily fish um and the remarkable thing that happened a couple of well last week was that i'd noticed that my glasses suddenly felt like I was like I was straining to see, and I thought, "Oh my god!" It's because I've spent all this lockdown, uh, lockdown watching uh, or playing video games, doing work on the computer. So I've knackered my eyes time, even yeah. more. Yeah, went to the doctor and said, "Well, actually, no. Your prescription—you need a, a lot weaker one because your eyesight has improved." Unbelievable. Uh, and I was, yeah, I couldn't believe it. And I've now got new glasses, and it, it's a lot better. And I don't think there's a lot of science to back this up. Um, and the the optician looked very skeptically at me when I suggested this is might might what uh, be what have happened what has happened. Um, but uh, there are people online testimonials of people who have also and I'd read this before this even happened to me on a keto diet suddenly have noticed that their eyesight is improving. So you know. And now you're one of them. The studies aren't there, but it's. Ha- I feel like it's. Ha- even if it's not keto, apparently um, fish oil is very good. Yeah, for, I guess that makes for sense. Eyes. And I have been eating a lot of fish. That I mean, that that might be it. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, once you- the other thing about it is is that you go through a starvation period when you start a keto diet because your body is trying to use carbs but it doesn't have any, so it starts shutting down because it because th- it thinks you're not getting anything in. Um, and that's miserable and you feel horrible like often headache flu symptoms um, and you just want to die but then eventually it, it sort of sorts itself out and starts running on fat and you feel good and actually it's a much more reliable and consistent source of energy as opposed to sort of blood sugar spikes that you're very up and down once you get into a ketogenic diet your energy levels are okay um so yeah i would say i'm 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 actually 
I feel like I could continue it forever. There's now, now that I'm not consuming any carbs, I don't really feel like I'm craving them because the, the body doesn't once you're, you're out of it. So it's something, I eat a lot of cheese, eat a lot of omelettes, and I'm enjoying it to a certain extent. It's just whether I'm losing as much weight as I could have been on other diets, I don't really know. But this feels like it could be sustainable, so that's good. I'm, um, if we're talking about healthy things as a recording, yeah. I'm a week, let me check my calendar, a week into um, Chloe Ting's summer shred workout yeah. program, which I would say is I don't, not sustainable because i'm so weak <laughs> i've been doing it. i've been doing it uh yeah today is like the day seven or whatever holy moly she is so intense uh and uh anyone who knows me or has seen my noodly arms i have no upper body strength <laughs> trying to build it they do this. already look slightly less noodly to be yeah fair. there's definitely some like some definition Katie, in places Katie's that I've never seen. On the camera right now. <laughs> that I've never seen yeah. in my entire life. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, I, I guess as the week has gone on, maybe some of the workouts have gotten easier. Um, cool. I guess I'll have to give an update on that when I think the program's like four weeks long. How long does each session last? Well, that's I guess kind of the good thing about it is I think they're um, they're hit hit high workouts impact, like nice. the high. Intensity interval. Intensity, yeah, sorry. Is that it? Yeah. So you do, you do like three or four workouts each day, but each one's probably only 10 minutes long. And so you're doing maybe 17 exercises back to back with five or 10 seconds yeah. of rest in between. So that makes it feel a bit more manageable than just doing like an hour and a half session at the gym, which awesome. I like. But that sounds, that sounds good. I do need a decent... Um, sort of resistance training regime I'm still running but um, I have got I bought as you know I bought some of those weight bands mm, yeah. that you can and they really do work the muscles it really feels like you're making progress but I've found it a bit more difficult to get up a consistent routine with them um, so I'll keep, I'll keep, I'm sure there are some YouTube videos you could follow so I might start doing that um, but since I've gone back to school, I've just felt so exhausted all the time. Yeah. It's difficult to find. Also, the heat. I, I mean, I think it's yeah. like that there. But there, yeah. this week here and uh, my hometown, the humidity is just unbearable. And the heat is really through the roof all of a sudden. Yeah. So that makes it not like I want to... Not really like I want to work out, but absolutely, yes, yeah, absolutely the same here. It's really unpleasant. Actually, today, to be fair, right now, as I record this, it's actually quite manageable. But yeah, it's been quite horrible <laughs> at earlier points in the week. Yeah. Uh, um, speaking of driving to school, um, I have had the chance, which uh, I hadn't up to that point during lockdown, to start getting into some audio books. I'm I'm a big podcast guy, which led yeah. me to to make this one with you but um i'd always avoided audiobooks because i presumed i could never give them the focus that they required so i decided to get into some quite low stakes audiobooks primarily autobiographies of some of my favorite celebrities (laughs) um so i've in very quick succession while driving to school i've now listened to limmy the scottish comedian definitely check him out he's very very funny and his audiobook is very it's very dark very hard-hitting very funny in, in places as well. Um, uh, incredibly entertaining. Thoroughly recommend that one. Also, Adam Buxton, who I'm, as Katie knows, a profound fan of. I yeah. love that guy. He is such a just decent, funny comedian um, in the UK. 
and I've listened to his radio show back in the day and his podcast ever since. He's he produced and recorded his own audio books, so even though it's on Audible, cool, unlike huh? yeah, unlike others where he would you that you know clearly the celebrity's just gone there for a day and recorded it in a booth. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done everything. So his trademark jingles, he's made loads of new jingles to yeah, introduce his, the chapters. he always has those on like the podcast, doesn't he? Where he makes up a yeah. song. Yeah, so he's really got good. he has a few like recurring ones but he's made loads of new ones for each chapter of this book and there's also a um uh, a bonus podcast at the end of it with with joe cornish who's his erstwhile uh, comedy partner who's now a famous director in hollywood um it's all brilliant I, as a fan of adam buxton i couldn't have really asked for any more i don't actually think you can get his book in paperback form or, or paper form at the like moment just an audiobook it's only an audiobook form but um yeah definitely it's called ramble book by the way uh, and the last one, which I started a couple of days ago, was which I know you've been reading, Katie, is Louis Theroux's autobiography. Mm, mm-hmm. How far have you got through that? Yeah, I finished that one. Did you? Yeah. Like, cool. Uh, what did you think? Oh, it was really good, really good. Because I have watched Louis Theroux's documentaries for yeah. many years, um, and I, yeah, he's kind of like a, well, he's sort of like a British American transplant, isn't he? Because he like in in that he's. His, his father's American. Yeah, so he's kind of, yeah. he's got, you know, he's, I think, more accessible to uh, um, Americans than, like, some British TV shows yeah. that I've watched, maybe. I would, yeah, I, I, I think I agree with or that. Or his, I like, style that, of humor, I guess. Yeah. You'd say that's American, would you? I think, I think more, I don't know, you'd maybe get it more. There is sort of a, quite a forward, bombastic's the wrong adjective, but... He does have, he has all of the sensibilities and the articulation and the sort of mm-hmm. mild manner of what you'd expect a sort of stereotypical British person to be like in an interview situation. Yeah. But there is, there is a driving force behind it and the way that he sort of throws himself into all these situations and the brashness with which he asks some of the questions, which, yeah, maybe that does strike me. And he does have quite a, yeah, a big sense of humour as well, which is great. But, um, but his, no, book is, his book is really, yeah, really good and really interesting to see sort of his life and how he got into like interviewing people and and how he kind of deals with a lot of like anxiety, like social anxiety oh, yeah. and um, and talking to people and how he can just put himself, put him, has now made his job putting himself out there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I finished it. I think it was, I finished it so long ago that I didn't, that I didn't even tell you. Sure. No, that's great. Um, I'm up to the bit where he's just appearing, beginning to appear on the television before mm. Weird Weekend. Um, no, it's fascinating. I think it's beautifully written as well. Even yeah, he's the audio such a good writer. Can... And a lot of the words I had to look up because he uses some yeah. really big ones and some words that I don't understand. Yeah. Um, I think he used the adjective Dionysian <laughs> today. I presumably, I imagine it's relating to... Dionysus, the mm-hmm. Greek god. Yeah. So like like a rev a partier maybe. But it, it, yeah, it's but even though there are some like challenging words in there, it's just it flows beautifully. And yeah, it, I could hear it in his voice the whole time. Yeah, it's lovely having him read it as well. But it just radiates understanding, <laughs> which I think is why he's so great. He's like he's he's so clear in his thoughts. Um, so yeah, I, I really recommend those. So three good audiobooks. Um, cool. And I've any... got three good audiobooks. Go on. Because I am on the third Harry Potter 
audiobook. Nice. Are they live? Is it Stephen Fry? It is. Yeah, I I sought out. I could not find anywhere. I wanted to listen to the Stephen Fry reading of it, but it was like you couldn't get it on the American Amazon store. Couldn't really? I couldn't find it hardly anywhere to download. No, it was really hard to get a hold of. Are you are you audio booking through Audible? Uh, for those ones, no. Did you look on Audible? Yeah. Well, oh. yeah, I think so. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't find them on like any, um, any of my normal channels or. And it was whatever. just it was an American reader, was it? Where you found it initially? I don't. I just couldn't find a lot of them. Yeah. I, who's Weird. the other? Who's the other famous guy who did the Harry Potter audiobooks? Chris, Dale, Dan. American? Uh, no. <laughs> I I don't no. know. I my, my I guess my point is I I had never even listened to any of the Harry Potter audiobooks. I mean, I've read the series, you know, yeah. umpteen times, but I had never yes. listened to them. So I started well, it must have been when I when I flew when I flew back to America, I started with yeah. the first one. Well, um, no, I think you or maybe you were just telling me about it. I seem to remember you ha- listening to them when I was... Maybe I'm just I'm collating that with when you were just reading them on the plane. Yeah, it might have been. Well, I had never listened to them before, and they are very, very good listeners to is, does it? Does his well. voice suit them? I think, yeah, definitely. Especially the voices that he does for different characters. I mean, it's... Especially like his Hagrid stands out to me because he I don't I don't even know which came first if like the movies came first or the audiobooks yeah. came first, but his voices for a lot of different characters line up. Oh, really does he well. actually put on dialects and stuff? Yeah. Then? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, and um, it would have been different, I think, hearing it first. I mean that there were a lot of words that I think I mispronounced and names that I didn't. No, like when I was first reading them when yeah. I was a kid. What did you say? Hermione. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's how I read it as a child. Yeah, so I guess uh, it definitely adds a different color to the story. So. Can you tell, this is this is a very minor question, can you tell the difference in his voice delivery between Ron and Harry? Um, yeah i mean he doesn't i think that he does do a a slightly different inflection for like everyone i think Mm. his his voice for harry is mostly just his normal voice maybe a bit higher pitched but yeah cool i might seek those out once i've uh, completed louis through book then yeah they're they're just relaxing and i mean i know the story very well especially for like the first three books i know the story yeah very well so just nice to kind of have them on in the background and like i suppose yeah you can just parts come in and out of consciousness with it can't you yeah, yeah. um and still know where you are cool they're long right. i mean especially now looking ahead to like the fourth audio oh, goodness book me the fifth one they're massive I was, but... I was very impressed that one of my students in year three which is grade two mm. Is tackling the goblet of fire. That's a big one. <laughs> and uh, I keep asking him every day, "Where are you up to?" And like usually, children when they're reading a big book, they've just picked it out because it's big and they want to be, you know, yeah. tell people they've read it. So I just say, "Oh yeah, I finished it." But he's like every day, he's like, "Um yeah, one more chapter down." Oh, <laughs> so man. I think he's really working his way through it. Bless him. Oh. Um, yeah. So they are big, big books. Um, okay. I also wanted to talk about something that we did yesterday, day before yesterday, yesterday, um, completing Final Fantasy VII Remake. Uh, uh, oh, grown already. Uh, uh, 
I'm not going to go on at length about this, and it's still going to remain spoiler-free because um, I think even if Katie wanted to describe the spoilers, she may struggle. No, that's <laughs> she, she, she admitted that herself. That, that she had I no, didn't no know idea what was going on. on. Yeah, um, yeah. So I won't say anything about the story. Suffice it to say, it does take different directions to the core game in the final act um which i think are quite brave and interesting and i sort of know what it's trying to go for when i sort of pegged because you'll it all sort of hinges around these ghost characters that i won't reveal but you see them in all the trailers and they're the big differentiating factor and when i sort of caught wind of what they are were i thought this is where this is going and this is a really clever way of getting around potential issues in the future um they didn't quite go in the same direction as i was thinking and they didn't explain maybe enough of what was going on. Mm. So while the final act was a massive spectacle, and from a gameplay perspective, some of the best fights, some of the best sequences in the whole game, it was like a roller coaster, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I was left a little bit confused, which I think in a way is sort of intentional. I think they're trying to get hook you in for the next one. Um, but yeah, for someone, if you've, if you've never played Final Fantasy VII, God knows what I, you you have no going idea on. what's going on. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. So there's, it is obtuse, I would say, um, but that doesn't stop our, you know, our critiques from before or ideas from before. You know, the characters are all brilliant all throughout. Aerith is a joy, even during these confusing times. Um, so all of my opinions, broadly speaking, stand. But before I go into it, Katie, how would you say? Um, sounds like your opinion has sort of evolved since we spoke about it in the very first episode of this podcast. Yeah, I wasn't very happy. <laughs> um, I think I think that this has been a problem with me before where like I don't really I don't ever watch any previews or really seek out any news about video games. I I think I just thought that this was like a, a beat for beat remake of Final Fantasy yeah. VII, and that's all. I, that's all I wanted. I wanted yeah. like when when the Blink's Awakening came out for the Switch, I played that whole thing, and that was like a direct remake of. It was almost. I mean, there's a tricky thing like between what a remaster and a remake is. I think the Link. Um, Link's the Awakening was Link's like Awakening a remaster. Well. A remaster, I would say, like that um, Shadow of Colossus on PS3 is a is a remaster because yeah. it's the same game re-released, slightly upresed. Link uh, Link's Awakening is a remake because they've built rebuilt all the assets and everything, haven't they? Yeah. They've changed everything about. They've recoded the whole thing, but mechanically, as you say, it, it's but identical. It followed isn't it? like you know the exact same format and story yeah. points for the most part. So I guess, I don't know if that's just being too, um, like, small-minded that I just wanted to see Final Fantasy VII with updated graphics. Um, no, I don't think so. And I so. guess, like, that's fine if you want to throw in some new stuff, but at least make it feel like, uh, that it, it uh, it's, like, just it did... similar enough that the changes they did make felt like they didn't fit. Yeah, no, I, I think there's there's a lot of truth in that. And sort of the changes that are there reference the similarity in some way that, that yeah. it's meant to be almost ident identical. But it's, it is quite confusing. You know what it reminds me of? It sort of reminds me of the expanded lore of 
Kingdom Hearts mm. that lots of ethereal sort of nonsense going on in the background were actually the strongest suit of Final Fantasy VII was how grounded it was, especially in those early sections. Yeah. Um, going out into this world and exploring it. Um, it wasn't until right at the end of Final Fantasy VII where you start learning about, you know, the life stream or and things and get like a little, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of full, it's front loaded with a lot of that stuff now, and it is very. It, I mean, to be honest, it's it's sort of disappointing in a way, even though I, I did enjoy it because it. We spoke about when we reviewed it initially about how Square Enix had sort of gone off the rails and none of their stories were relatable anymore. Mm. Final Fantasy 15 is a bloated mess. Final Fantasy 13 <laughs> is an incro- incomprehensible and bloated mess. Um, and Final Fantasy 7 in the first two thirds feels like a return to, oh, great, we know where the story is going. These are the characters we love. Let's go. But then you did sort of see, oh, this is this is new Square Enix here injecting some of its nonsense into yeah, it. Yeah, and some of like the relationships like between characters seem to like start to change and just yeah. I don't know. Yes. Yes, although um yeah without spoiling it, I think I know what you're referring to. I, I generally quite liked the way the characters were drawn. Um even even with their slightly altered relationships. Um so I, I am in I'm definitely in two minds about it because you know, I'm in I love one the, mind. I, I know like it. Yeah. <laughs> I can completely empathise with that position. I personally, I just I was in love with that game from start to finish, um, even with those questionable decisions. From so, but that story, I mean, as the gameplay progressed, did your did your you know as a whole product, how did your thoughts about the game change in that way, or are they sort of as they were? I get yeah. I guess there wasn't. Oh, uh, I I almost would have rather they take more risks with like the gameplay than the mm. story i don't know yeah. like if they would have maybe maybe they did you know i mean initially even just the, like the battle format was different and like some of the summons and things were different so yes. i don't know if they would have took some more liberties in that area or like with the you know with the materia system or like leveling up system or mm-hmm. things like that maybe I would have been more into, but did, that did all the... stayed pretty flat, and then the story got weird, and then I wasn't interested. It was pretty flat. I would definitely say that um, there maybe wasn't as clear a sense of progression no. with the gameplay as there would be in a normal JRPG, where you're suddenly it feels like you're putting out bigger numbers. I mean, your spells upgrade in the same way, and that you you know you're you're doing Faraga or mm-hmm, Faraja mm-hmm. at the end instead of fire. Um, but you know the same. The battles did feel the same at the end, sort of as they did right at the beginning. Yeah. And actually going in and faffing with all of the number crunching did become a bit of a chore. What I did like was that you could set the the weapons to upgrade to certain paradigms without going into that that menu. That you know, the, do you remember the menu? It goes like the and then you see all the planets. One. Yeah, that yeah. was cool at the beginning, but eventually got very tedious. But if you just set it. It can auto-assign those points depending on whether you want it to attack yeah. or defend or whatever. Um, so a lot of them became streamlined. I enjoyed the combat throughout, and I thought the final few boss fights, annoying as the very last one I found, um, just because I, I was far too tired and, and didn't nail it the first time, um, was I loved I loved the combat throughout, but I think you could definitely say that maybe it didn't evolve as much as it could have. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they handle it in the next one. I also, if there's just one, before we move on, if there's one gripe I had as well, and I will again preface this by saying I, 
I love this game. You know, it's one of my favorites of this generation. But um, it did feel like some of those more open sections where you're running around doing side quests. I know we did mention this in the review where we said it felt padded. They re-emerge at different points in the game and every time they it feels like they outstay their welcome. As a bit of an OCD-ish completionist, I sort of want to at least get all the missions done. When I really didn't care about going to find someone's cat, I wanted to progress Cloud's story. Mm. Um, so I feel like, and actually I feel similarly about The Last of Us 2, it, it would be a better game if it was about 10 hours shorter. And if they'd cut out all of that side content, really, apart from a few good standouts. Um, because, you know, it's a linear game, ultimately. They tried to make it feel more open, but I don't think it benefited from it. You know, there's no real need to grind. There's no real need to level up. I know they've been accused of making linear games with Final Fantasy XIII in the past, but I think that's, this is what it was like. Like I said, it's like a roller coaster. You can see all of your characters in uber high um, HD, and you have a flashy combat system. Take me on a journey. That's sort of all I wanted. Um, unless you're going to go full open world, which presumably they will next time, like Witcher 3 level side quests, it just feels like a waste of time. Feels is, there like any, is there any indication when part two will be well, um, coming out? As far as I know, no. I've not heard anything. Um, you'd hope it wouldn't take the insane amount of time the original yeah. took because they've got the engine in place, they've got the character models in place. They've got the combat in place for the most part, so it really just requires a bit of bit more open space, um, and they should be able to get going. But obviously, that you know that's much easier said than done. Mm. So, I am optimistic about this next one. You know, given what Square Enix have pumped out recently, that this is a good game, and it may not have gone, a di- gone in a direction you would have preferred, but I think it is a good, a very fun game, yeah. and I think that's a lot more than can be said for for recent Square Enix output. Yeah. And given how precious the material was that they were handling, I think they've done a really good job. So I'm really happy with it. Um, all right. I, yeah. Go on. No, go on. I don't. Again, I don't know how like spoilery I can get, but I almost got vibes of the end of this game. Maybe this is just because we were talking about audiobooks, but when I was reading The Cursed Child. Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It sort of like it's had the Shitting all over of your like, dreams. <laughs> like, the, like the story, but we're going to yeah. like, you know, play Twist around it. with it and get make it all weird. Maybe not to that extent. No. Um, yeah. I don't know enough about The Cursed Child, but I do know that it, yeah, it is what some would call a bastardization of the existing content. Um Yes, I think that's a that's a good analogy. Um, it just so happened that maybe because I, I was telling you when this game was first announced, there was a really lovely trailer which was just had I think it just had the core theme being played on like a plinky piano, and it was just following Cloud through a market from behind, mm. and that was all it was. Um, and then it said something along the lines of, "Although this reunion has been a long time coming." You know, we're, I can't remember precisely how they worded it. Um, this will not be precisely what you imagine it to be. So they, they they have foreshadowed that it wasn't going to be, even though it's weird that it's called a remake, it's not a shot-for-shot remake. Um, it's reimagining in a few different ways. So, yeah, it's a controversial ending for sure. And a lot of people have liked it, a lot of people haven't. And like I say, it draws more than one parallel with uh, The Last of Us 2 as a result. Um all right, should we go into some Animal Crossing? Sure. What's been happening? 
Uh, I have played a lot of Animal Crossing. Yep. <laughs> um, and I still think it's great. And there's an update coming out, which is why I thought of this for today. I think, was that just Sweet. yesterday or two days ago? They um, said that they're releasing two parts of a summer update. Um, so the first part comes out, I think, next weekend, like the first weekend in July. Yeah. And the next second part comes out in August. And I think it's a good thing that they've done uh, because probably people who have been playing this since it came out, not like me, were probably starting to get a little bit, you know, bored of the sort of repetitive <laughs> day. Yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like I came in at like a really good time because I'm like just getting to a point where I'm like happy with um, how my island looks and how things are finally starting to shape up. And now they're um, right away like adding this new stuff. So they're, it's not new in the sense that we, you know, we've never seen it before. It's, it's mechanics that have been in previous Animal Crossing games. Yeah. Um, but like the chance to go swimming and dive around your island and look for animals. Um, which I think will, yeah, will open it up even even more than it already is. So, looking forward awesome. to that. So, sorry, when does when does it drop? I think it's July. Was it July fourth? And is that next All weekend? Right. Cool. Or this awesome. week? I'm not. 100% well, I mean, sure, we're but... st- we're still planning on at some stage to do an Animal Crossing episode, so maybe we can lump yeah. that all in when we eventually yeah, get to it. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, cool. Uh, what else we can we talk about? I suppose I'll briefly just just touch on The Last of Us. Yeah. I gave you a very, um, I thought, a very detailed and graphic rendition of the whole of Last of Us One the other day. Do you remember? I do. I didn't know. I didn't know any. I still don't know anything about the the story really or the game or any of that. What, d- despite but, that incredible. But oops! I just bumped the mic. Got so close to the microphone that I bumped yeah. it with my chin. Um, <laughs> But you did give me a very good rundown, and I think if I watched some reviews of the part two now, I would understand it more. Because I was trying to watch reviews of the second part, and I didn't understand what was going on. Yeah, it's, I suppose, a little impenetrable. Um, I just thought it was like zombies. Well, which partly it is. Um, I'm not going to introduce it, really. Suffice it to say, I'm about, I would guess, two-thirds... Of the way through, it's mechanically, <laughs> it is untouchable. Visually, it's unlike anything I've ever seen on a, on a home console. Naughty Dog known for pushing these boundaries. Um, it's it's phenomenal. Um, I've really, really enjoyed what I've played. I know it's very controversial. I don't know if you've heard about this, Katie, but um, a lot of people are responding very, very badly to this game. Oh it's being reviewed, bombed. So, like the critics are giving it nines, tens, but then you know people are going on Metacritic are going giving it twos, threes, fours. Maybe because of the ending, which I'm not at, so maybe my opinion will change. Certainly, there have been big paradigm shifts that I wasn't expecting, but I've really enjoyed them. I thought they've made a lot of sense and they've really added to this world. Um, so, so far, I'm actually quite positive about it, which I say very tentatively because those who I, you know, those of whom I, of whose opinion I trust, like Harry, um, like some of my other friends, like uh, uh, James, um, they are diehard Last of Us fans and they are thoroughly disappointed by this. <laughs> like, 
different Harry said to me, he said, Ben, if I can just play The Last of Us 2, I will die happily. And he didn't mean it flippantly. He said it, he said it apropos of nothing. He, said, he just said to me one day, Ben, look, just get, get me to Last of Us 2, then I'm done. You know, the rest <laughs> of it's fine. And I'll look forward to that. But this is really all I need because he loves The Last of Us. So I, I agreed to go halves in with him um, and we bought it. And he obviously caned it in a couple of days. I don't know how he did that. Um, and he was loving it, loving it, loving it, loving it, hating it. And uh, well, he says now he doesn't hate it. But when he was discussing it with me, he was like morose. He was genuinely saddened by it. Um, so who knows? Maybe I'll have a different opinion next time we come to talk about it next week. We'll do a, a proper non-spoiler review with, with Katie and then... I was thinking after that, I suppose, I mean, yeah, if, if you, you're not worried about spoilers, Katie, you can join us after the episode for a spoiler chat, but we'll actually dig into these controversial elements because I, I think it's there's going to be a lot to discuss. I think there's some other stuff around Naughty Dog that I haven't been keeping an eye on that people are angry about. They're very, apparently they're prone to crunch. Have you heard about this, Katie, within the game industry, that term? It's, it's, it's the idea that as... And when video games enter their final phase of development, suddenly the the gloves are off as far as uh, overtime and that sort of thing, and people are encouraged to work insane oh, hours yeah, I guess that makes sense. and not not see their families. And there, there are loads of horror stories across the industry. They were actually used to be really well documented on Kotaku by a, a journalist called Jason Schreier, who's since left. Um, Naughty Dog are apparently given the, you know, the incredible level of polish, you can see that so much work has gone in, but apparently that they weren't treating their workers all that well. Um, there have been some other kerfuffles around it, but that Naughty Dog have gone from the critical darling of Sony's first-party lineup to, yeah, their reputation has been dragged through the mud. And it's so weird yep. to see their reputation dragged through the mud from, from, for what, from my perspective, seems to be a masterpiece in terms of, game development and design so it's interesting it's interesting it's horrible in lots of ways but it is interesting um so we will we'll see how things go when we talk about it next week um yeah anything to add it's got yeah a big that game has like a big following that i don't really know anything about i think it's gonna sell i think regardless of you know whatever you may think of naughty dog it's gonna sell very 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 well so i'm hoping Naughty Dog are going to have a chance to redeem themselves because mm. um, I've loved all of their other games and I love this but yeah whether I will at this time next, next I would hope I will I would hope that even if, if it was an me end, on Final Fantasy 7 remake yeah because even even if it's a terrible ending I really hope it's difficult but I hope it doesn't colour mm. the you know the objectively excellent ramping up to it um, but yeah we'll, uh, we'll address that again next week so lastly do you want to speak about Graveyard Keeper? Yeah, I've I've still been playing that. I think I'm like, I don't know, eight or nine hours in on Steam. Uh, cool. Still very weird. Still very fun. Um, still very, very, very hard. <laughs> like I thought that eventually, I, I don't know, I keep comparing to Stardew Valley because it's so similar to that genre. I thought I was going to get yeah. to a point where, you know, you start to like, sort of automate different bits of your farm like you build sprinklers to water your crops and you 
build other things, to, like do things for you. So I don't know if I'm just not at that point or if I'm just bad <laughs> at this game um, because it's like the bodies really start piling up and I'm just trying to do <laughs> other other things on in my little plot of land or whatever. Uh, so yeah, I, I play that, you know, in the evenings when I'm looking to looking to relax but it's not it's not being relaxing anymore not that relaxing yeah that sounds it okay well um i do want to check it out um when i get my pc back i might mm. have a look into into it on steam but um so far would you recommend it for someone maybe who is a fan of stardew valley then or would you say it's too intense maybe yeah i think if, if you're into the if you're into the Mm, like management aspect of stardew valley it I, it's kind of a weird you've got to have a certain maybe personality to be into it it is a bit macabre but yeah um, sure. i don't know i it it really suits my aesthetic i feel like as the as the heir to a uh, <laughs> to a funeral, funeral home does it does dynasty. it chime with you particularly uh, yeah i think i think it, it does i mean it's it's um heiress i should have said gone or is that misogynistic whatever go yeah, well, either way uh it's yeah. it's a it's a cute idea that takes like a, an actually cute stardew valley idea and just makes it a bit darker <laughs> and yeah I, i'm getting to the point where i'm lear- learning like embalming methods and cremation <laughs> and things like that so like maybe at that point it'll start um making it so that i can keep up with um the flow of of work that i have to do uh it's fun it's it's a good thing to put a bit of time into cool 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 all right well are you okay to leave it there then casey yeah i think that's a good good set of sort of updates and i don't feel too full like we just had a main course absolutely yeah i think it's a nice little summer's aperitif no i've used that word wrongly before what's the correct word appetizer maybe who cares okay. yeah. <laughs> they didn't, the people didn't come here for food no they didn't although they may or have maybe done they did then if you did disjointed sorry if you stuck around yeah <laughs> um all right uh well thank you for joining us guys if you'd like to um find us on social media you can follow us on twitter at the consumed podcast yeah. or the consumed pod yeah consumed pod yeah um you can follow us on instagram at the consumed podcast mm-hmm. and you can email us at the consumed podcast at gmail.com we're on facebook too we're on facebook as too yeah and we're, we're thinking about putting polls up on there which if you you know if you want to get involved in the polls <laughs> um feel free to do that so yeah find us on facebook the consumed podcast there too all right we'll be back next week for a full meal's worth of content yeah. hope you have a lovely week See you later. Bye.